everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Cynical Challenge podcast. My name is Grayson Knudsen, coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, where things are quite a bit warmer than they have been for the last week or so. Jeff Paulus joins us from St. Albert. How are you doing today, JP? Fantastic. Hockey Night in Canada, Leafs, Habs. There we go. Ready to go. We're trying to record this before the game really gets into the nitty gritty, that's for sure. Uh, Jeff Salisbury is on the line from beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. What's up, Sally? Uh, well, first off, you can see I'm repping the Canada red and white after the big game that happened the other day. Uh, and uh, yeah, everything is finally warming up here too. I think it's only maybe minus one or minus two right now after uh, like a last, you know, 13 days of sub minus 30 temperatures. So yeah, yeah nice for sure. Um, talking about uh, the women, the She Believes Cup is underway. We're recording on a Saturday. So Canada has played the Americans. They lost that game one nil. Kaylin Sheridan was hurt. She's out for the rest of the tournament, according to Canada Soccer today. So real tough for her. But um, we've decided that just based on times of watching and when we record or could record, pardon me, we'll just talk about the tournament as a whole in our next episode. So we just wanted to mention that before we got really far into things here, just to make you didn't think we forgot about the the women and the She Believes Cup. So why don't we can get... I point out something great? Yeah, just go ahead. Jump on. Can okay. I can I jump it? You know, because I, I think I think we just have to make it clear that you you can't start off you, you can't make a statement like I don't want to be a pessimist. However, uh, how many goals are the Americans going to score? I mean, I think that statement in itself is a pessimistic statement. Oh, Jeff, so, yeah. So we just we need to help Jeff with that. Yeah, yeah. It's just I mean the cynical part of of his uh, personality there. Um, is quite normal for, for those that watch. You know, it's just. Hey, I thought it was going to be ugly too, and I was pretty impressed. Hey, this cynical nature got me a personalized mug made by the head of the Voyageurs himself. So I think it's you know working out okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Great start for Bev. Great start. Yeah. Honestly, I think that uh, the way they the way that they tried to play for for her and awesome. But yeah, we're going to talk about it later. But uh, it, it was it was. I think we can all be happy with that performance. Yeah, yeah so, breath of fresh air. Yes. We'll have seen them play Argentina. Uh, if this comes out Monday, I guess it would have been yesterday. And then uh, Wednesday is the final game against Brazil. And that should be a real telling one. And you can yes. test that on uh, One Soccer uh, for those of you who have a subscription to that. Why don't we talk about some CanPL news? Uh, mostly just re-signings this week. A couple of uh, key re-signings and uh, one big signing from outside the league. That was FC Edmonton. Tobias Warshevsky. A striker, six foot two, uh, played a little bit with some of the German youth teams. Um, gives them a different option aside from Easton Ongaro up top. Uh, JP, I'll defer to you on this one. What do you make of this move for FC Edmonton? You know, to be fair, I don't know much about this player. Obviously, he um, satisfies the 21st club rule, um, you know, which, which I guess is why you look at that player. I think they did need a second number, uh, second nine, someone to push Easton. So they did need that uh, with, with Tommy not there. Um, you know, good background, you know, but you're always concerned when you see players start to drop down uh, in German leagues uh, before they come here. So hopefully this is a, you know, an opportunity for him to, I guess, uh, reestablish himself, but uh, certainly uh, an interesting background, um, but it satisfies the need for the club. For sure. Um, Atletico Ottawa, a couple of re-signings in the midfield. Uh, Vidi Martinez is one. And then defender Milovan Kapor is back uh, with Atleti. Uh, HFX Wanderers re-signing Jake Ruby, uh, one of their big U-sports draft picks who made an impact this past season. And then for Jeff C, uh, Sally, a couple big re-signings here. Chris Nanko uh, will continue to provide something for them. And then 
probably the biggest move of the offseason so far in terms of will he stay, will he go? Daniel Kreutzen will be back in Forge's backline. I think it's a two-year deal with an option as well. So he might be in Hamilton for a little while yet, Sally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Daniel Krutzen uh, is by far the biggest signing in, in the off season. At least, you know, we haven't been able to see any of the internationals play yet. So time will tell if, if any of them are even larger impact players, but um, yeah, I honestly, I was really hoping that Krutzen was going to get signed overseas, uh, not only for his career uh, because he deserves it. I mean, he's been the best defender in the league both years now. I, I rate him higher than Zator. Um, I rate him higher than David Edgar as well. And David Edgar's got caps for Canada, you know. Um, but uh, but Crutzen's been been lights out for Forge both years. Um, but yeah, the other reason why I was hoping he'd go overseas is because I just wanted to see Forge get that much weaker <laughs> heading into the season. So uh, yeah, you have to this this puts them now back into that top three conversation without question. They they're definitely a top three side uh, in the league. And, and I don't see any reason why they won't for sure be challenging for the league title for, for a third year in a row. Uh, I would, I, you know, a part of me dies when I say this, but I, I, I'd be hard pressed to not see them uh, potentially having a three-peat. Uh, if, if the internationals for York don't work out as planned, and maybe if Cavalry is a little weaker due to some of the moves that have happened for them in the offseason. Uh, we could see a Forge three-peat. Uh, boy, I got to go wash my mouth out. That'll make some of the uh, the folks who comment happy that uh, you still hate Forge. Uh, so <laughs> uh, JP, maybe you can weigh in on, on this as well. First of all, I love that. It looked like you were starting to make friends. You know, when you said that the best defender in the league, better than Zator, you obviously you rated him better than did it there with that comment. You're making yes. friends, but then you just pull it right back. Like you just you open the door for a second. Um, I like to slam toes in the door. Slam well, you've done in it. The door. Yeah, yeah, you've done it. <laughs> Listen, I mean, he's class. He's class. And and this is a roster that, uh, again, if it, if it ain't broke, why fix it? You know, mm-hmm. um, with the uh, that management team they have with Bobby, with Costa, um, they, they'll find the players that they need to fix any holes that they currently have. You know, they, they again, they have the largest network uh, around this world I think when it comes to finding footballers they've got a great network at, at their disposal and um and and you don't see many players that have come to forge not have a good season you, you not see many come in and fail and uh, and again it goes to good scouting it goes to really good management uh, that's running that group there and um you know when you see these play when you see this core of players all coming back in a time of in a in a, in a salary cap situation um where yeah, you know, of course, there's obviously a lot of talk about that going on right now, but but this is a group of players that have committed to a project because they all believe in what's happening in Hamilton. They all believe in their manager, Bobby, uh, big time, uh, their, their coaching staff. Um, for me, it's, it's not even top three. It's still the best team. No one yet for me has done enough to, to convince me that they're going to beat Forge, I have to say. Um, because they keep returning the same players, that hunger is not going to stop until that team makes the makes it into late rounds in Concacaf, uh, and, and you know the, in the big tournament part, they're not going to be satisfied. So they're not going to have to worry about lack of hunger, things like this. Like they're going to be going. And yeah, I just, I mean, for me, it, it's now the exciting part for Forges. What one or two or three pieces have they not announced yet that are going to be new players? Will they add to this roster, which takes them even higher, I think, because. Certainly, their core is the, is the deepest and strongest uh, in, in the CPL with these all these resignings. Let me just throw so, this out there then. Um, 
is it a possibility you think that I know that it seems like Kreutzen would be a candidate to move on by signing him do they look now at maybe just making sure they have him under contract so they can obtain a transfer fee should he wish to move maybe after this season is that something that maybe that board just thinking about here I think you have to look at that, you know, certainly as good business, but they were also, they also seemed to be open to let him go on trial, you know, heading out of contract before he signed it. So I think that shows, um, it shows some real strong ethical values within the organization that they'll, that they'll let a player go and do that. That's got leaving contract and encourage it uh, and support that player. And, and it didn't, it, for whatever reason, if it didn't work out or whatever happened there uh, for them just to say, yeah, come on in. Here's a, here's a really long-term deal based on current, you know, based on the deals that typically get signed in this league. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think that speaks well of the organization. You know, I, I think this is a story that would be really interesting to uh, hopefully get some follow-up on. I don't know, JP, if you have some connections in the league that would be eventually willing to, to discuss kind of what actually happened behind the scenes in this off season and, and why Kurtzen wasn't able to make that move this time around but uh you know a guy he, he's already shown the pedigree in the league i mean if you look at his highlight reel in the league and Concacaf play i just can't imagine that there isn't a side in in sweden norway generally in scandinavia um that wouldn't be willing to to take him on so uh so maybe somewhere down the line if a uh, little birdie ever tweets at you what uh, kind of the background story was on why this move didn't happen that'd be that'd be an interesting thing to to learn about mm-hmm. down the road the one thing I can say about um, about you know Canadian players going overseas and and why maybe some don't stick on trials, we have to we have to remind ourselves that we're still you know a developing player. We're we're a developing national country in the development of young players, and for every Canadian that's a decent player here, there is you know five hundred in the country that they're going to uh, that have come through pro academies their entire life, and so so the step isn't as easy as we'd like it to be, you know certainly. Uh, as, and as easy as we make it sound quite often. And because the other issue that we have is once a player hits a certain age, if a player is under 23, um, you know, a team can take a chance on that player because they can bring him in. They can actually put him for a year of development with their under 23 side uh, in Europe. And that way they can also work with that player. Uh, they've got a prospect there, but, but as soon as a player is, is aged out of that, now they've got to bring a player and sign them to their first team. And, and do they do that when they really have some areas that they still want to work on with that player? Can they afford to wait when they just take one of their own 20 year olds that's in their system that knows their system. So, you know, we're up against it. You know, our, our players are up against it a little bit. It's not as easy as going over there um, for, for as well as they do here. And listen, we know it, sometimes it just takes getting the opportunity. Uh, we've got a lot of players that can go and shine, but, but you also look, I mean, Tristan Borges, I don't think has had um, the success that we thought he would have when he's left, when he left here. And, and he was the class of the league. I mean, Becker was the MVP in 2019 for me, regardless but, but Borges was number two. And um, so, so it's not that easy. So I'm not surprised. Uh, what I'm happy about is these clubs are giving these players an opportunity to go overseas for a look uh, to try and make it. Um, but, but it's just, it's not an easy, it's not easy when, when they're already over the age of 23. You mentioned how tough it is for Canadian players over the age of 23. Um, we've seen a few uh, interesting retirements are stepping away from the game. Uh, today was Ajay Cabra uh, on this Saturday announcing he's just going to go back to school. Uh, I would imagine at the University of Alberta. Um, Dylan Sacramento also has decided to step away. Uh, he just wants a job where he can make a little bit more money. And that was one of the big things that's come out in the last week to 10 days. There have been a couple different articles from a couple different sources stating here are some of the league wages. 
Um, guys, it's not pretty. I know, JP, you've dealt with it. You know what the numbers are. Uh, and now that they're a little bit more public, maybe you can comment a little bit more on it. Um, but Sally, I want to start with you. Uh, this is worrisome, isn't it? To see guys like this uh, just step away because there simply isn't an opportunity to make a living in football in Canada, at least right now in the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, well, I mean, not only have uh, Cabra and uh, Dylan Sacramento stepped away, but Luca Gasparato hung up his boots uh, right after the Island Games. I think I think it was only a matter of weeks after the Island Games concluded that all of a sudden he was calling it quits. So there's a third player. I, maybe there are even others that we actually haven't really heard about yet that haven't, you know, they're just showing on the CPL site is uh, uh, just unsigned uh, in, in the, the table of, of teams team rosters right now but you know um by the way show everybody what beer you're drinking when you get a chance yeah um uh but uh uh yeah so it you know my initial and gut reaction is that you know there should be some alarm bells going off that these are red flags um speaking to a real wage issue within the league um you know i i I understand that they're wanting to keep costs uh, under control, especially considering pandemic conditions. But to me, that's more of an excuse than a reason. Um, so, you know, we're not, we're not dealing with, again, and I, and I always go back to this, we're not dealing with ownership that are, are 100,000 heirs. We're dealing with ownership that are multi-millionaires. Uh, some cases are, you know, it's, it's approaching, if not within 100 million, right? Um, so these are individuals that have large enterprises to essentially bankroll these little side projects that they're doing in sports leagues, um, which seems to be the playground of the rich. So I just, I, I, the numbers that have been released, uh, whether they're bang on accurate or if they're at least fairly, fairly close, it's, it's pretty shameful. The other side of that coin though, is, um, you know, some of these players, maybe are they they were signed in the first year when the league was just kind of getting built and quite frankly we didn't have a huge pool of canadian footballers to be to be signing for the league and some of these some of these guys maybe just weren't quite up to snuff really but they were uh, a capable warm body to bring in on a roster who maybe would surprise and 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 become a bit more of an impact player in the league and, and so maybe some of these guys, uh, this is just kind of the league seeing the, um, the, the slightly lower caliber player uh, turnover happening, right? Um, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fairly harsh viewpoint. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but it's, it's difficult. Everything is still so new. Um, and, you know, we, we, the league is still really finding its footing of, of where it's kind of median quality level is going to be. I know for one thing, I, I never really rated uh, Luca uh, that highly as, as a defender. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a little a part of me is not super surprised that maybe he's, he's hung it up already. Cause I wasn't sure he was actually at the, the caliber they needed at the back. So but yeah, uh, you know, you, you just can't help but feel that um, that there should be some alarm bells going off and that we need to be a little more critical of the league for its own good. But are some of these players just being pushed out by the 21 club requirements, JP? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, this one with that, Jay Hurts, I have to say, you know, seeing that announcement today, I didn't know that was coming. And um, 
that's really disappointing, you know, because, I mean, I can tell you, AJ is a, uh, if that's the case, he's a double casualty of it. And um, when I built the roster in 2019, um, my experience came from, of course, you know, spending a lot of time uh, dealing with agents and, and helping build the rosters of, of, of FC Edmonton and the NESL with Colin Miller. And so I was taking, most of my education came from the NESL days, of course, the NESL had no salary cap. And, and I can tell you that the FC Edmonton uh, player budget um, was probably double, you know, of what, of what the budget was um, in my first year going into the CPL. So, so I caused some of my own issues in year one with just some of the dollars that I was paying, obviously, with some of the senior players, respecting what they had earned in the NESL, not bringing that to this league. So I created some salary cap issues myself. So that's the first thing I'll say before I pass any blame or anything to anybody else. You know, I created my own issues. But then I get to, you know, then you get to the 2020 season and this new rule dropped in 2020 where we had to sign two of these 21st club players, uh, these two internationals. Well, the, the one player that was directly impacted by that was Ajay Kavra. And um, so I lost Ajay to Ottawa. And, um, and he was always going to be a significant loss for me. Uh, I knew that. Um, but in having to fill some other kind of requirements on the team, needing some left footers, for example, for the left side of the pitch, we had some needs, had to fill them. And then you get down to a salary, you know, a bit of a, a crunch in your salary cap. And all of a sudden you realize you're now forced to sign these two international players. So the money that would have been there for Ajay was no longer there. And I couldn't get him on a, on a deal that would have worked for us because it wasn't fair to him. So, so the move to Ottawa is what transpired and um, such a loss because number one, who he is as a person, he's just a, a great human being. I mean, it just is everything you can like about Ajay, but he, he is a very similar player to Shamit Shulman. People don't understand that about, about Ajay, but he's a very similar player and you've seen them both, Grayson. You know that very well. He can play the exact same game, um, you know, that, that Shamit plays. And that's how highly I think of Ajay. So, um yeah, it's devastating news. And then you look at, of course, so then you look at the international rule, you know, that that impacts the, the Canadian players like Anajay. It also impacted Bruno Zebi um, now a couple of years in a row. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, trying to make these players fit within a salary cap um, with numbers that are being thrown out, that are being talked about. So, yeah, I'm gutted. I'm gutted seeing Anajay walk away you know, um, from the CPL because he's a player that that fits really well into this league. Yeah, I would echo those sentiments. And obviously, we'll have that bias, just having known him and, and dealt with him in the past. But I think Ajay is a, is a fit on almost any CPL team. He's a CPL caliber player easily in my books. And and like you said, off the pitch, just an absolute gentleman, just a class act, and somebody you, you want on the team uh, with that locker room presence as well. So tough seam go. I, I'm sure we'll see him pop up around the city somewhere, whether he's playing Major League or whatever, green and gold. That kind of thing. I, I think he's burned his university eligibility. So unfortunately, we won't be back with the, the Golden Bears. He had quite the career too at the U of A. Um, so yeah, best of luck to him and, and to the other guys as well. And it's a real shame we're kind of seeing some of these guys pushed out due to whether it's wages, whether it's that 21 club regulation with the four internationals. Um, it's tough to see. Um, if we look at some of the other news, uh, the PFA CAN, the Professional Footballers Association of Canada, the union that the league still just won't recognize for whatever reason uh, has officially joined FIFA Pro, the uh, the international uh, body uh, for footballers. And there was an article that was put out about that. Um, I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to read the article, but there's some pretty telling things uh, said there. Um, what does this move, uh, having them recognized by FIFA Pro, do now for the league? Does it put them under some more pressure to finally recognize the players' union? Sally, why don't you go ahead first here? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think that it definitely gives uh, PFA can more leverage in their conversations with the league. Does it put the league under any further pressure? I'm not necessarily sure that it does. Um, I, I'm not really sure what FIFA pros relationship with FIFA is even like, um, uh, but uh, I, you know, if it, I, the league would likely be able to fall back on Canada soccer, who would likely be able to fall back on FIFA. That's just the general way that the bureaucracy works in world football. And, uh, and so, you know, if there was ever any challenge to the league that, that they absolutely had to start recognizing the union, they'd be able to, to fall back on that. And that, that's a little bit more of a pessimistic view. We would hope that it wouldn't get to that point. But, you know, the league uh, to date has really shown that it is not willing to even consider engaging uh, playing ball with, with PFA can. So, I mean, you know, ultimately it's, it comes down to league leadership again. And I, I really feel that the league has leadership in place that are, uh, well, I'll say it. They're quite frankly anti-union. It seems uh, they come from organizations that are, have been known to be anti-union. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you're, you're. I think you're just seeing a representation of the folks at the top for the way that the league is 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 treating this. And you know, I think it's going to do more harm as time goes on um, if if there's a reluctance for the league to have any type of relationship with with the players' union. Go ahead, JB. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you could see a bit of added pressure just in that uh, Fief Pro is, I mean, they represent some pretty, uh, some pretty big and pretty important players associations um, around the world. And then what that does though, is that, that creates this online narrative, this social media narrative, especially if some of these other organizations start maybe speaking out on behalf of the Canadian players um, in our association. So, so there could be online pressure and what it, what it really does. And I think what the unfortunate thing is, as we're trying to grow the CPL and as we all, we, listen, at the end of the day, we all want the CPL to succeed. It, it's a must. I mean, I've been, I, I've been coaching players, you know, for about 30 years in Canada and, uh, and, and here we are with our own league. You know, I would hate to see all that time wasted and, and because another league didn't survive. Yeah. We were, that we're trying to make work. So my comments here are not meant to belittle the league at all. You know, I'm a big supporter, but what happens then, of course, the longer this goes on, uh, the more the conversation happens, the more things like this that happen where these announcements are made, where they've joined FIFA Pro, for example. But the longer the conversation goes on, you really you really start to risk uh, alienating your, your fan base. And at the end of the day, this is a league that still requires uh, ticket sales and fans to show up at the stadium uh, for revenue. I mean, this is a, this is a gate-driven league uh, revenue-wise. And, um, you know, I think that anything that, that kind of puts a wedge between maybe the league and, and fans is probably not a good thing at the moment. So, so I think you could see pressure strictly for that reason. Um, online, you, you've all seen it. I mean, people are pretty vocal yeah. that in talking about it. This last week was probably not the best week, social media wise, PR wise um, for the CPL with the news of FIFA pro. Uh, and then of course the conversations that started some pretty scathing um, uh, articles came out. Um, yeah. So, so um, it could put a bit of pressure, you know, it's, it's been a tough week, yeah, PR-wise, when you talk about the Canadian Premier League, when the wage articles started to come out, and now this. Uh, yeah, things are – some of the stuff behind the scenes is starting to leak out, and it's not necessarily the prettiest thing. Um, again. You know, so, oh, we, go ahead. We, need, we need to know these things, though, and yeah. I think that this is really – these are really a symptom of 
a greater problem. And that greater problem is the league's um, approach to transparency and, and the, just the way that the league head office kind of handles communications as a whole. I mean, I don't think any fans of the league have been overly happy with, um, with lack of communication coming from the league on multiple different uh, topics. Uh, you know, from what salaries are looking like, I mean, geez, we, we basically had to, to almost start a social media campaign, uh, aimed at the league just to start getting, uh, player, uh, movement updates, uh, from the clubs. There, there's just been, there's just been this right from day one. There just seems to have been, um, this, uh, this almost an internal policy, of uh, keeping uh, lips t- closed uh, and 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 stopping people from any type of any type of communications that doesn't seem like it's it's head office approved, right? And that's just I, I I'd be hard pressed to find someone that would tell me that that is a healthy policy overall. No, I uh, Sally, as someone who was in communications for the league, I can tell you that everything does have to come approved from head office. It does. Everything has to align with the league's message. Um, and I mean, it, it, look, it took clubs coming out and saying, listen, we, we're not telling you what the salary is, but we did sign this guy for one year in an option or two years in an option. I can almost guarantee that was never coming from the league. That came from clubs. A couple of them put it out. And once it got out, you know, it was kind of out there and, and, they, and everyone was now allowed to do it. So um, yeah, it all kind of has to align with the, the narrative. And I mean, I get it. You want to control the message, but at the same time, we need a little bit of freedom as well. Uh, clubs need to create a lot of their own content, create a lot of their own buzz. Uh, it would be nice to see some things loosened up uh, in terms of that, for sure. Um, what do we talk a little bit about now? Um, just <clears throat> the Voyager's Cup uh, needs to be played. Uh, you talked about uh, Forge and how they need to make a run into CONCACAF. Well, this is their last chance to get into to Champions League this year. Um, they have played Toronto FC. TFC is obviously training. Uh, MLS season, I think they've said now, is going to start April 17th, and Toronto has announced that they're going to start in Florida. Um, but they are training, obviously, in Toronto right now. They've gotten approval from uh, the Ontario uh, Health Services. Um, Forge not training yet, obviously. I don't think any of the, the clubs in the league have thought about uh, hitting the pitch yet. But um, this match has to get done before Toronto gets down to Florida. And if they're going to start there on the 17th, you'd think, mm, what, end of March, mid to, mid yeah. to late March, it's got to be played. And I know the grass is in BMO. They've been working on putting the grass in a BMO, uh, which I think is where they're, they're going to play this match. What do you guys make of uh, how, how this whole Voyager's Cup thing was handled? Obviously, the pandemic made it really difficult. Um, but do you think, you know, BMO, end of March, we can almost put that in, in stone right now? Yeah, I think um, I think end of March is pretty well what what we're gonna see. I, I might even see it, uh, you know, like a week before they head down to, to Florida. So it could even be in that first or first or second week of April, um, if they're really wanting to wait for the pitch to to kind of grow out a little bit and and uh, stabilize a little bit more. I mean that video, the v- video of the the grass pitch at BMO. I just wanted to jump into that video and roll around on it. But <laughs> well, we so haven't nice. seen grass in like six months. No, okay, it's yeah. not been that long, but it won't be another six <laughs> months as well. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, 
I, but uh, I, I've been uh, obviously in the South end at BMO for Canada matches right in the front row. Um, sometimes even in the capo stand uh, and uh, you just, you, you can, uh, you can smell that, that grass pitch and it just, Oh man, there, nothing beats that. Like I would, I would pay good money to play a match at BMO just with, with whatever random Saskatoon men's squad, just head down there and, and play a match just so I could say that I've played at, at a professional stadium's grass pitch. Cause that, it just looked so nice. Oh, anyway, that's my love story to natural grass pitches. <laughs> Let us continue. <laughs> yeah. You just, you just took this out of being a PG show with that uh, <laughs> definition of you and a grass pitch. Well, I think it's Sally. Yeah. A lot of that comes with your, with your ankle and your knee too. Eh? You, you need the grass. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, actually, you know what? It's funny. When I, when, when my left leg shattered, it was in a sprinkler hole in the middle of a grass pitch. Oh, okay. So these days I'm a little wary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, JP, this puts a lot of pressure on Forge, doesn't it? They got to get ready in not a very long amount of time. Whereas TFC, again, they're already training together. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe Bobby will probably have his guys training, um, getting ready for this. I mean, he knew that the date would come up before their season started. So again, um, he's pretty savvy, you know, so, so I imagine he's probably got the majority and you, and you see the signings as well. The majority of the roster is intact, um, especially with Kreutzen coming back. So I, I imagine they are doing some work. You know, what's nice about Bobby's situation is this is a team that, that has a style of play um, under Bobby. They know each other very well. They know his systems very well. He knows every one of them very well because it'll be the same group he's had almost for two years that are going to go in and play this game. Um, so there's not a lot of changing for this. You know, he'll, he'll definitely... Now, what'll hurt though is because for me, he's he's tactically the the strongest manager, and uh, the way he can kind of break down opposition and create a game plan for a one game or a two game series. Um, the, maybe the disadvantage he has this time is that well, he'll know the players on TFC, he won't know the new manager. So so th there'll be a change in there. But then the flip side, of course, is that all the TFC players they have to now learn a new system and a new style from this new manager, and can they get it right? in a very short period of time because they're not going to have a whole lot of friendlies themselves. They're what I read the other day is they're, they're pretty desperate to get a friendly versus maybe Montreal um, before they have to play forge. And um, Montreal offered to play them a friendly. And I'm like, that's not a thing a rival does. Well, it, it is when you don't want a CPL team to uh, win the Canadian championship, you know, at the end of the day, I think the biggest fear of the MLS sides would be for the CPL team to win the Canadian championship. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, that's exactly it. That's, that is exactly. And people are even calling it out on online on Twitter saying like, this is basically MLS sides colluding to make sure that TFC is prepared for this match. So that forge doesn't shock them. It, you know, as much as, as much as we, we can hate on forge a bit on this show. Well, we, you, you we, hate on forge. You hate on forge. Oh, yeah, wait, there's whatever. no, you here. guys are there with me. I'm dragging <laughs> you with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wouldn't it be absolutely stellar if they shocked TFC yeah. and won the Voyagers Cup? That would be, I would, I would celebrate. I would fly to Hamilton and get hammered <laughs> with Alan Gorman just to make sure that uh, everybody knows how ecstatic I was to forge beat TFC to win the Voyagers Cup. It would be something. I mean, I just did a quick count of uh, Forge's uh, roster. Looks like there's about 15 guys. So it almost seems at this point, you know, just get 16 guys if you have bringing your internationals, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in between then. Because it'll be almost two months uh, before uh, Forge actually plays a CPL match. 
So you got to get ramp up in this last month for one match. Then you almost have two yeah. months off again before the CPL season kicks off. Uh, JP, do you see TFC putting out a full strength squad for this? Will we see all their big guns out on the pitch for a match against Forge? I think they have to. Truly, I think they have to. I think you have to. Um, I don't care what level you're at, you know, and, and yeah, there's a difference in, in, in level of player because of the wages you can pay, of course. You know, none of us are naive to the fact that they've got a team of superstars uh, at TFC, you know, um, within North America. But you also have to, as a manager, you have to look at what Bobby's been able to do. You have to look at their performances uh, in CONCACAF to date against some big organizations. Um, you know, we can take the, the, uh, the Haiti game and throw that one away. Um, but against the other oppositions, which are big clubs, successful clubs with history, you know, they've been very, very good. Um, he can't prepare for, for any opposition in, in a one-game playoff. And you have to respect the way that that team can defend as an organ, as a, you know, their defensive organization. You have to respect the way Forge can, can prevent you from scoring. Um, and then they've got a couple of players up top that in, in one moment can maybe have a, have a moment to change a game. Yeah, you can't take them lightly. If you put out uh, not your strongest group against Forge, you find yourself one, one or two down. Um, yeah, so we, you'd be tough to come back. Yeah, we talk about how Forge has, you know, let's be frank, they botched it against uh, Arakai. Um, I think that's going to serve as, as good fuel for them going forward. Mm. They're going to be pissed off about that and want to write, <clears throat> excuse me, write that wrong. But um, have you guys seen the uh, updated CONCACAF Champions League format for, what is it, 2023 or 2024? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how bad does that mess, like that screws a lot of the CPL teams out of some, out of potential advancement, in my opinion, the way they've kind of sorted it all out. They're going to have uh, 20 North American teams. So three will be Canadian MLS, uh, Canadian MLS teams can qualify through MLS now, finally, which they should have before, but that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. And then Mexico mm-hmm. makes up on the other eight or nine teams. So you almost have half of Liga MX, a third of MLS, and then two or three, depending on who wins the V cup Canadian uh, premier league teams. Um, those are not, those are going to be tough, tough, tough matches for CPL squads. And I think for the first few years, they're going to get absolutely slaughtered. And it's a shame that they've taken away the opportunity to travel to Central America, to the Caribbean, uh, to play matches that are very tough matches. It's never easy to go to Central America or the Caribbean and get a result, as we've seen with club and country matches, uh, either Canadian or American teams. But um it's just it's a real shame that they've taken that away and it almost seems like cpl teams are getting fed to the wolves here a little bit i mean a few years away but still well i mean yeah yeah, you're not wrong i think uh everybody was really hoping to see um number one the Concacaf league get expanded uh and with that expansion maybe one even two other cpl clubs uh get an entry um certainly certainly at least two I don't see any reason why a club like Halifax wouldn't be able to give it a go in, in the CONCACAF league uh, and, and, and potentially find some success. Um, and, and from there, uh, you know, still leave, still leave the CONCACAF champions league open via, via the Voyagers cup. Um, but really, you know, I, I just, yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, now we're just going to see CPL clubs in that competition Man, all, really, it'll depend on who they're get, getting drawn, like what the groups look like. But they're going to be in groups against at least one Mexican side and at least one MLS side, probably well, multiple. Because they're groups of three or groups of four. The group, the groups of five. Five, right. Yeah, so they're probably going to be in groups with 
two Mexican sides and two MLS sides. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it is really unfortunate. I, I, uh, I fail to see how this format really helps out the smaller leagues unless, unless that replacement for the CONCACAF league uh, starts the same year. Well, there's two mini, I guess there's a, a Caribbean club championship that's still going to exist. And there's a Central American club championship that's going to be created. There's mm-hmm. not going to be another North American uh, right. club uh, tournament, I guess you could say, but um, well, I yeah. mean, it's tough. I, I like, can't see them. I can't see them uh, not having something a little bit more secondary uh, kind maybe. of along the lines of the CONCACAF league. I mean, I know they've just announced the, the Central American one and the, and the Caribbean one, but I'd be, I'd be surprised if there is absolutely nothing to kind of fill in that, uh, that what we'll call sort of like the tier two of, of CONCACAF. Um, well, the, the only issue with that is because of the expanded champions league, you start with 20 North American sides and then is it 20 Central American and 10 Caribbean? So you have yeah. 50 teams in yeah. regionalized qualifiers. Plus there's the Caribbean Club Cup before that and yeah. the Central American thing before that. Mm-hmm. So I just don't see them adding another thing. Uh, oh, JP, you. you haven't talked for a while here. <laughs> we'll no, get in here. I, no, I, no, it's all good. But I agree with you, Grayson. I just I don't see room for another event um, for maybe the, the lower division teams in this. And what's unfortunate, it, it comes down to dollars and numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, where the salary cap is at, um, you're not going to compete in those events. You're not going to compete at that event with, with, um, with, you know, with Mexican teams and, and MLS teams in, in that type of um, a bracket, in that, in, that, in that type of kind of readjustment, reorganization of this, of this event. It just, it just won't happen. Um, the other issue, of course, is you can sign a max of 23 players. And you know, depending on when your season play is, when you're playing games, you're, you're lucky to have 18 healthy ones. Uh, what what 18 are healthy what what 16 are healthy i mean and you don't have the ability to replace them because you've spent to your cap so it's so going to be tough question. here's a question i have for for the two of you so you are cpl hq and surely surely you must have been uh contacted and and uh, must have had discussion with with concacaf leadership as to what's going to be happening with their, their continental tournaments coming, you know, uh, coming to 2023. Um, and, and you must have known at least to some degree what that change is going to look like. Why, uh, what, you know, if you, if you are, if you're uh, CPL leadership and, and club ownerships around the league, you know, what's your mindset towards this now? Um, yeah. What's your mindset towards this change? I think it's kind of double-edged. I think first you look at it as, okay, we get two guaranteed berths in that, you know, round of, or that group of 20 with the chance to go on. Um, so I think, you know, you're happy that you've increased the possibility of three if, if one of the CPL teams wins the V cup and also that you're guaranteed at least those two, because the MLS teams can now qualify through the MLS proper. Um, so I think you're excited by the fact that you have more teams and the opportunity to host some really big clubs coming in. Like, just could you imagine if, you know, out at, in the kitchen, HFX Wanderers, Wanderers Grounds, you know, Tigres comes to town, or if, mm. you know, LA, uh, LAFC, like, and the, their big names come to town, like, that's a draw for people uh, locally. But again, the other side of that coin, or the other edge of the sword, I guess, is that 
it's going to be ugly, I think, for those TPL teams, especially for the first few years. I realize that, again, we're talking a couple of years down the road, so you'd expect the quality of the league to bump up a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe you could nick a result here or there at home, uh, hopefully try to get a draw, that kind of thing on the road. But it's, it's not going to be tough. At the end of the day, this is all about CONCACAF saying, how can we get more games between Liga MX and MLS? Because that <clears throat> draws eyeballs and dollars right. in the States and Mexico where all the money comes from. Yeah, can I I'll add into that? I mean, if you're the CPL ownership right now group, we are, we are Canada's number one domestic league. Yep. We're not the best football in Canada as long as we have the three MLS teams here, but we still are Canada's number one domestic league. So at some point you have to act that way and be that way. And most other, most other leagues in CONCACAF, the winner of their league is an automatic berth um, into that event. We're, we're looking to qualify, you know, so it's a bit different for us because um, the MLS champion, the Americans top domestic league, um, they get a berth. So, so I think you have to accept it. I think you've got to kind of embrace that and say, okay, yeah, we're not there yet, you know, but this now gives you, I guess, goals. Um, I think playing against better opposition gives you goals, you know, so you've got to get better. But yeah, you, and you can't turn it down. Um, not if you want to be the domestic league of the country. You've got to, you've got to behave that way, I think. And so it's, it's probably just that, that this is how they themselves. Yeah, well, I think, I think then from the fans' perspective, the fan side of you, uh, it, it sucks a bit because your club's probably just going to get annihilated if they make it. And nobody likes seeing that, <laughs> but from the, the club and the league's point of view, it's probably a major win because now you're getting your, now these clubs are going to be coming up exactly like, like you guys said, they're going to be coming up against behemoths of the region that are going to draw people to the games. I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're a piddly little club like FC Edmonton, uh, you know, having, uh, <laughs> having, you imagine uh, if one of the big Mexican clubs had to come and play at Clark. Yeah. Or, or, or New York yeah, city or, Clark turf with a concrete factory in behind. They're going to love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cruz, Cruz Azul will love it. That's, that's their whole sponsorship. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> right. yeah, Cruz right. Azul concrete will probably buy that concrete plant before they show up. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and this might be a little club out this way, by the way, Jeff, but it's still a bit bigger than the one in uh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> well, we're, we're currently on hiatus until uh, pandemic restrictions lighten a little bit more. So, yeah. And hopefully yeah. we see that soon and everything kind of lines up accordingly and we can get back on the pitch here in May. Uh, Jeff mm -hmm. Salisbury drinking Pepsi. That's the product placement there. You said I had to show off the beer I was drinking. It's just good old Saskatchewan Pilsner voice. It's, you can take the kid out of Saskatchewan, but you can't take Saskatchewan out of the kid. And I think that's right. I think that's a good point to stop on. We're at about the time that we we like to be for these. So, um, JP, why don't you tell us where we can find you online? Uh, Jeff underscore Paulus on Twitter. There you go, Sally. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff D Salisbury. And then on Facebook, uh, you can find me in any of the different CPL fan groups on the Voyageurs Facebook board. Uh, and uh, you can also find me on uh, the CPL Discord that uh, John Eden and the others out in Ottawa actually got going a few years ago. Um, yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm at Grayson Knudsen on Twitter. Uh, the vodcast podcast is at the cynical chal one. And we, you can find us on YouTube. That's where you can find the VOD. Or you can find the podcast on all your favorite catchers, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, 
and the like. Um, gentlemen, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, we'll chat some uh, She Believes Up next time we get together. Wonderful. Alrighty. All right.